Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. This episode is brought to you by Past Life. Life can change at any moment. Are you prepared? The grief a family feels upon losing loved ones is difficult enough, but the days, weeks, and months that follow are filled with stressful decisions. Past Life is a single solution, secure, cloud-based platform where funeral preparations, last wishes, will information, financial assets, business continuation information, social media account information, etc. can be uploaded to the recipients of the user's choosing. Past Life allows you to alleviate the stress and lift the fog for your loved ones, primarily by giving them a vital trove of information in multiple areas. Veterans Path podcast listeners can save 10% by using the code PATH at checkout. Learn more at pastlife.com. That's pass-life.com. Past Life. Pass your loved ones a lifeline. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good day. Welcome to the Veterans Path Podcast. I'm John McCaskill, your host, and today my guest is active duty Naval Surface Warfare Officer and fellow Naval Academy grad, Clint Blankenship. And as I've said before, now that we've started going live, I've cut these intros down to just the very brief part so that I don't ruin the show. So with all that said, welcome to the show, Clint. Thank you, John. Happy to happy to be here. And, and thanks for having me. It's a it's definitely an honor to even be asked to be on here. The caliber people, the caliber of people you've had on here. So this well, is great, I, man. I appreciate that. It's definitely the caliber of the people that I've had and not the caliber of the host, man. So let's lay the foundation, brother. Um, you grew up in West Virginia. Your father was a Vietnam vet, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up being a coal miner. What was your upbringing like uh, with that kind of uh, background for your father? And then how did that lead into your joining the military? Um, well, he was, it wasn't the great Santini. Uh, <laughs> those that are familiar with that movie that, you know, I remember watching that in Plebe Summer, but it was, it was kind of close. Uh, it was, it was very regimented. Uh, he works uh, very, you know, coal miners, blue collar, uh, long working hours. I just remember seeing him coming back. Uh, late at night, uh, whatever shift he was working, just like covered in, in coal dust or soot or whatever it's called. And probably I'm sure people in West Virginia probably haze me for, for not getting it right. But, uh, you know, so that instilled a lot of, uh, work ethic in me. Uh, it's, it's tough work, but it also pays very well. And that also motivated me to kind of go down the path I did. Um, not, not saying coal mining is, is a bad profession. Uh, it just was, it was something that I didn't want to do. And basically in, in my hometown, you either join the military or you're a coal miner. Uh, so that kind of propelled me to, to go down that path. And I didn't even know what the Naval Academy was. Uh, my dad, lo and behold, he always wanted to go there. Oh, really? Uh, so he kind of pushed me. Yeah. He was a summary, uh, you know, he was a Cowboys fan. 
I don't know why, but he loved Roger Staubach. And growing up with him in the 60s, watching him play, uh, yeah. the academy was always something he wanted to do. And, you know, I was blessed to be left-handed and I was a, I, I'd say I was a decent pitcher and, uh, which is kind of like a place character in football. Uh, you're not really an athlete on the team. You're just kind of, you're kind of there when they need you. Um, so I don't know about all that, that kind of, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of, uh, that helped me. I had, you know, I grew up when I grew up, you know, I went to, he took me to see Top Gun yeah. uh, in the theater. So I was like, I want to be a fighter pilot. Okay. Then, uh, you know, Navy SEALs came out and I'm like, I want to be like Michael Bean and Charlie Sheen and be a Navy <laughs> SEAL. And then, you know, uh, uh, he took me to see the rock and I'm like, well, maybe I don't want to be a SEAL. Maybe I want to be the Marine now. That's so there was <laughs> kind of that, kind of that ebb and flow. Uh, of that so it was always in the forefront and as a kid you know seeing him and he really didn't talk a lot about Vietnam uh, I kind of learned from you know reading old school encyclopedias before the internet uh, we went there well, I went to DC when uh, they opened up the wall uh, back in the early 80s and just seeing the effect that it had on him I was like wow that's just that's something that's something important that's maybe that's something I should do uh, so he kind of pushed me down that path uh towards the academy and i was like oh, oh. And, I, and i'm pretty easy to to follow orders and i was like <laughs> oh, okay dad you, you know more than i do i'll i'll go down that road so uh yeah that's kind of how my uh my road to annapolis but you know i was on the five-year plan too i wasn't uh i, I did the i did the year at naps for the naval academy prep school and that's more geared towards um you know, guys and girls coming back from the fleet to get them in a mindset and maybe some uh, recruited athletes that don't have that level of SAT scores that are high enough. Uh, it gives them a chance to go ahead and get better at that, to, to get those scores, to get, uh, get accepted. Yeah, sure. I, I came from the enlisted ranks and coming straight from the enlisted ranks uh, without having that Naval Academy prep school, uh, I definitely struggled for the first year. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering if I'd really uh, made a huge mistake, but luckily I, I got by by the skin of my teeth and that Naval Academy prep school is, is huge for, for those who've been in the fleet or like you said, those who may be recruited athletes that don't have the the scores or quite the the readiness to get in, but it definitely, they shine. They shine once they're, they're there and I'm sure you did too. So oh, I made get, them look better. <laughs> well, you get you get to the the academy. Uh, how was your time at the academy? Um, it was. I'll be honest with you. I hated it when I was there. I I just you know I was kind of rebellious. Um, I was I I'm, <laughs> I always tell people I met some of my best friends on restriction. And I was, you know, I always bring, I always bring that up at like XOI or, or any kind of disciplinary thing that I do. Uh, and people, you know, people kind of, and I think that makes me more relatable. Like, okay, yeah, you stood restriction. You, you know, you did some things that you shouldn't have done and, you know, you can, you can always bounce back for that. Cause uh, that's what I always tell people. You got two choices. You can either be pissed off and go down the spiral and just keep doing bad things, or you can kind of turn it around, but it took right. me four years to turn it around. So um no, I, you know, I, you know, great friends there. I was a poli sci major. Uh, and I honestly, I picked that one because that was the easiest out of everything. I, I wasn't like anything that had blank engineering in it. I was like, <laughs> no, uh -uh, no, uh, but it was, it was good. I, I had a good time there. I met a lot of great people uh, and the experiences there, are, uh, you know, like no other, one of the biggest, uh, biggest fraternities and sororities uh, in the country. Right. Uh, 
probably not right. the best football team a couple of days ago, but. <laughs> hey, we've got next year. We're looking toward next There's year. Already. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So service selection comes around. Uh, what made you decide on surface warfare? Um, actually, I didn't, I was, uh, I picked Naval Aviation as my first. Oh, you did? Okay. Uh, and, I, and I got it. And I did not want to be a slow whatsoever i you know sorry to all the swos out there that might listen to this but uh swos had a negative connotation when i was at the academy it was just sure. like oh all you do is sit around and eat donuts and yeah you do nothing so i wanted to do something uh so i did flight school uh, i did two plus years of flight school and i had about two weeks before i got my wings uh, and they said hey you don't your score isn't high enough to get your wings Wow. And this was the first I was hearing about it. I was, you know, I may have said some things to the Commodore when he came, brought me in at the training wing to tell me. And uh, I ended up getting uh, kicked out of the Navy completely. Wow. So I was, I was a civilian uh, for about a year. And, you know, I was like, wow, this, this sucks. Because at the yeah. time, and I think that was like 03 or 04, um, nobody was really retiring because, you know, that was the peak of the war and so that kind of trickled down and they were letting people get out without owing any money back to the academy and i'm like this is all i've ever known i kind of want to do it i don't know what else to do so uh i affiliated with the reserves and i uh waited tables in pensacola uh, wow kind of kind of helped pay the bills and yeah you know there was a guy who was like uh at the reserve center uh he's like hey man there's this thing called tar which is temporary active reserve which is now uh, FTS, full-time support. Um, there's a way to get back on active duty if you want to. And I was like, uh, yeah, I, you know, waiting tables isn't, isn't all that great. Right. Um, he was like, so you got to be a slow. And I was like, is there anything else I can do? I don't, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Uh, he was like, no, go be a slow, you know, go do amphibs. They do a lot of fun stuff. Um, they work with Marines, they work with SEALs, and I was like, okay, let's do it. Uh, and then uh, a year later, uh, I went to my first amphib, and I've done five amphibs since then, and it's it's been great. Yeah, exactly. So you are a surface warfare officer now, so what's your perspective on SWO National? Uh, it's... It, uh, it's tough. It's, it's, uh, it, I mean, especially in the environment we're in, like, I think it would be a tough sell, like, Hey, go be a slow. You're not going to have the best port visits because of COVID. Yeah. Right. But that, that is, uh, and, and we've experienced a whole different animal of, um, a ship that's deploying, you know, you have to, uh, they pull other swos and other enlisted sailors from, other ships to be like the bullpen, the bench in case anybody, you know, with a, uh, uh, an NEC or any kind of, uh, specialty that gets sick, they can, they can pull somebody from there. So wow. there's a whole different dynamic with that. That's yeah. That's a, that's something I haven't considered. Uh, I imagine that is uh, challenging for the entire crew for the leadership. Um, and that's definitely a piece that I want to get into is, is your leadership. Um, but before we get into your like your commanding officer gig and, and everything prior to that, um, where did you end up deploying and what did you see? What did you do? Um, let's see, I've, uh, I've done deployments to, let's see, almost a third fleet, but that really doesn't count. Uh, 
basically uh fifth seventh and sixth fleet um off the coast of africa both both coasts uh of africa uh, a lot of time in the gulf um and it was it, it wasn't really technically a deployment um you know we was it oh oh five yeah it was we were had tickets to go to i think it was the navy maryland game uh they were playing i think they were playing in baltimore it was labor day weekend and i was on duty on the ship and uh we got like a 24-hour recall 24-hour 48 well i can't remember what it was uh and then katrina was happening so cancel all plans yeah grab get your go bag whatever whatever it was and i'm i had no idea i was a i was basically a brand new slow um so went down to katrina spent uh spent some good time down there and it was it was kind of good because we showed up uh it were right by uh i'm trying to remember algiers i think was the base there uh but it was completely shut down Every, everything was just yeah shut down and it was I imagine basically like the wild west and uh it was uh you know we did a lot of good search and rescue uh operations down there and it was basically we pulled into norfolk because i was i was stationed at little creek and for those of you that are looking at ports to, or uh ports to be stationed at little creek is the best kept secret in the navy as far as i'm concerned um so we went in got a bunch of zodiac boats tarps water mres everything just to to uh to give to them and you know the year prior to that i uh was through hurricane ivan in pensacola as uh as someone who got to experience that and got to eat mres and mm -hmm. teach people how to make mre bombs and gatorade bottles and all those stupid things I've never done that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we went it took zodiac boats and every morning we get up uh you know at the crack of dawn uh we had um maps that we did drew little grids on. like maps you'd go get at like 7-eleven or uh the grocery store grocery store of the local town and we just gridded them off uh and because we when we got down there we had zero direction from right. anyone and you know papers have been written about that and case studies and everything so luckily i had a commanding officer who was just like yep you two go in a zodiac boat you guys go here spray paint this door and uh so you know, we, you know, we pulled numerous people out every single day, brought them back yeah. to the ship. Uh, so that down there, I got to experience a lot of um, both good and bad things uh, from that. So that wasn't a typical deployment, but it was a very, uh, you know, my kids always ask me, what's my favorite ribbon on my, uh, uh, on my rack? And I'm like, you know, the humanitarian service award. I was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's pretty low in the totem pole of, of everything, but I was, and, you know, I go in the story and tell them about it. So that was, uh, it was very rewarding to do that HADR yeah, mission. For sure. Yeah. I think we actually sent some guys down there from my, my first SEAL team, uh, uh, STV team two at the time at Little Creek was then decommissioned has since been recommissioned. But we, uh, we sent some guys down there to j jump on those Zodiacs and drive them around and, they uh they said that was a a good mission, but it was also a really tough one in seeing people in such need, and then also you know, quite honestly, pulling bodies from the water, and how tough that was, knowing that you couldn't do anything about it. There was nothing you could do. You kind of felt helpless. So yeah, uh, I could definitely see why that why that ribbon is so important to you because it does, and was uh, hugely an important mission for those who had survived and uh, and also to provide 
I guess, proof of death for those who may be missing uh, that, that kind of op offers some sense of closure to, to those who are wondering. Uh, but yeah, uh, definitely understand that. So moving through your career, you're, uh, you make XO, you make CO. This is the piece that I really want to get into is your, your commanding officer ride. Uh, I think you mentioned in your bio that you sent to me that you had really worked to break the stigma of, of seeking mental health support. How did you go about that? Um, a short answer to that would be just talking about it. Um, you, you know, a lot of people don't, it, it's kind of like that, that dirty secret that nobody, nobody wants to talk about. And I, I always love how, you know, some of your podcasts, you'll, you know, people will discuss, you know, you see someone, you know, hang cleaning, whatever amount of weight, and you look at them, you're like, man, they're getting after it. That, yeah. But if you see somebody with their legs crossed, their fingers up in the air, meditating, or just taking some time to themselves, you know, working on mental health, it has, you know, they look at them and they're like, what's wrong with that guy? Right. So, you know, in, in my commanding officer ride uh, at the reserve center, I didn't, I was going through my own kind of counseling. Um, so just to, to lead into that, um, I was, I think the summer of 17, I was going through just everything was falling apart. My marriage, the job, pretty much anything that, you know, was good I had was pretty much crumbling. And I finally, I figured I need to get it under control. I'm being a commanding officer. I can't really, and I didn't talk about it because I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable standing up in front of everybody saying I have a problem uh, just because the way they would look at me. Um, luckily I took those lessons identified and turned them into lessons learned in my XO ride on a ship when I could affect, you know, a thousand sailors and Marines. Um, but going through, I, I called military one source and military one source is a phenomenal tool that I don't think it's utilized a lot. They've helped me with taxes. And I kind of said, Hey, I'm going through, uh, I'm going through this. I need some help. So they set me up with a counselor, uh, and going to see that counselor. She kind of, she kind of made me feel and believe that it was, it, it's okay not to be okay. So, uh, taking that into my XO ride, uh, on the amphib, uh, I was able to, to talk to people individually, you know, you, you pass a sailor or a junior officer. It was, it was kind of weird being number two and, you know, get all these, get all these people and I want to talk to them. But they, you know, the XO commander, they kind of shy away from that. I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just this hillbilly kid from West Virginia that I, you know, sometimes, you know, I look down at my rank sometimes and I still don't believe it. Uh, so being able to talk to them uh, about mental health and breaking the stigmas, I, I think, I think that's where we start because this generation, they, I probably shouldn't say that, but the, the junior sailors, they're brought up to, to uh, not saying they're millennials or anything like that, but they're, they're brought up and geared to make their feelings are okay. Whereas we never had that. We were, right. you know, like I'd say, his, I would say his initials, but uh, JB, uh, my first, that was the, uh, that was the first thing when he came in front of us at plebe summer, uh, he said, 
suffer in silence. I forget what the, uh, what the initial thing was, but I've always used that suffer in silence. So yeah. anytime I needed help, anytime I, I was like, you know what, screw this, man, I got it. I can figure it out. I messed it up. I'll fix it. Um, so I think it starts with leadership and it, it's, it's gotten a lot better. And when yes. I say leadership, I mean the upper echelon of XOs, COs, command master chiefs, uh, and, and, you know, ISIX fleet wide, not, I'm not saying they're not doing it, but uh, right. it's gotten a lot better. And that's where, you know, that needs to start rolling down. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree. I mean, one of the things uh, and I've spoken about this on this po podcast before is that the breaking the stigma begins with leading by example and going in and seeking help yourself. Even if you're not in dire straits, doing some type of mental health um, maintenance, for lack of a better term, but much like you go to the gym, right? You You don't you don't just go to the gym when you're trying to get in good shape. You could go to the gym when you are in good shape to maintain that physical physical health. Yeah. Well, the same with the mental health. You can go and seek counseling even when you're not really down and out. Um, and, and that helps you to maintain clear focus uh, along with the, the meditation and EMDR and some other modalities that are out there. You can do that even when you're not in the worst situation. And that can really help you to be more resilient when you do get into those bad situations. Uh, so uh, that's that's great on you for for breaking that, helping to break that stigma as a, as a leader and, and going forth yourself. Uh, we we do mention EMDR in your in your bio. What uh what is EMDR? How did you get turned on to it, and why did you get turned on to it? Uh, for EMDR to go back to uh, the counselor I went to. Um, and she, I, I love her to death. And she was kind of like my grandma. She was not that she's old and everything, but she, I just, I felt safe and comfortable with her. So, you know, this is me first time going into a counseling session. Like I initially go in there and like, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Even though the room's on fire, I'm on fine. I'm fine, whatever. So I sit down and she starts talking to me. She goes, okay, tell me a story of a traumatic experience. Uh, you know, scale of one to 10, give me like a five. So I go through everything, close my eyes, describe everything, the smells, the taste, whatever I was feeling at the time. I was just telling her a story. Um, so I open my eyes and she, it was like the first time she ever saw The Exorcist or something. She <laughs> was just like, and then I kind of like, well, okay, maybe my five is her 12. So uh, at the end of that uh, counseling session, she's like, uh, has anyone ever diagnosed, has anyone ever diagnosed you with PTSD? Uh, and I said, well, no, because I don't have it. So no, I don't have it. So getting through that, and it's, I never thought that saying four letters together in that order would be so difficult. And I still didn't believe her. Uh, so finally she said, Clint, shut up. I'm the doctor. You're not. You have it. Uh, I would like to do this thing called EMDR if you don't mind. And I was like, sure, I'll try anything once, go for it. And uh, it was, it's uh, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is why EMDR is so much easier to say. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it, it's basically, um, and it's, it's either audio, physical, or, um, or visual. I used audio. So she put on headphones 
and there were tones that would bounce back between ears. So I would have that external stimulation of left brain, right brain, while closing my eyes and describing a traumatic experience, whether it was from something bad that happened to me when I was a kid, whether it was something from a deployment, whether whatever it was, a car accident, anything. Um, I would go through that and it, and it is not to scare anyone about it, but it is one of the most excruciating things to go through because you're essentially reliving that horror, uh, that you experienced. I mean, you could, I mean, you smell the smells, you, it's like you have been transported there. So what that allows to do, and I'm probably not, I'll probably do it a disservice with my, uh, you know, I'm not a not brainiac all, or anything. Well, I read the book. I listened to the audio book, <laughs> but in um, the book's been holiday express last yeah, night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just I went on Wikipedia and read about it. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's called the bo- uh, the body keeps the score uh, by Vessel oh, yeah. uh, Vessel Vanderkolk, and yeah. she she gave me that book, and she it's goes read this. Book. I'm like, that is a tough and, book, man. And it's- reading about it the Vietnam vets. And I was, I was the post, I was the first post 9-11 guy that she worked with. So she did a lot of Vietnam vets uh, before and it, and it really worked, but you are right. It is a tough, it is a tough book to get through. Yeah. Really kind of a, it, it breaks your heart to read it and, and kind of a, I won't say causes you to lose your faith in humanity, but it almost does. It's like, wow, people do this kind of thing to other people. Um, but it's a pretty amazing also at the same time to read that book and understand how the body does truly keep the score, even when your mind may not be. Yeah. It's in, you know, reading those things where, you know, you, uh, not to get into the book, but just, you know, you're experiencing it and it looks like, and I'm sure you've experienced it too, where it looks like someone else is doing something to somebody else when it's actually, it is actually you, you're just, right. you, it's that out of body, uh, experience. So, you know, back to EMDR, it allows you to take those traumatic experiences and reprocess them in a better way to where they're not, uh, they're not as horrific, uh, as you experienced before. Uh, and I tried everything before that I tried, uh, uh, faith-based, uh, I can't remember what it was called. Uh, Anyway, like a faith-based group session uh, mm-hmm. about tying in military PTSD to the Bible. Not not my not my cup of coffee. Yeah. Uh, so I you know I tried a lot of things, and you know EMDR was the one thing that uh, really worked, and I think really saved me. And I didn't. The only reason I did it is because I was in a remote location in Oregon. I could. I wasn't, if I was at Balboa or Portsmouth or Bethesda, I, I don't think I would have gone because, you know, that gets put in your record. So I think that was one of the things, uh, and, and this is kind of like the first time and I'm actually talking about it. I mean, a lot of people in my inner circle know uh, that are important, but, you know, uh, a lot of people uh, listening to this that know me might, you know, might be a little taken back by it because I'm always smiling, happy go, joking you know, sarcastic, energetic. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it really is. And it, you know, and getting back to actually just talking about it. When I told my CMC at my command, I'm like, hey, you know, these, uh, every Tuesday when I have a medical appointment, this is what I'm doing. 
and he was just like, dude, I never knew. I had no idea. Right. Uh, so I think actually talking about it not only gives people the awareness, but as a selfish reason, you feel so much better talking about it. Like I feel better right now, like talking about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the that mask that you, you wear, uh, I want to talk about that for a second and not specifically yours, but just th that we all wear as, as human beings, right? This, this mask that we put on a show for our, our colleagues, our friends, our family. Um, and then on top of that, we, we kind of beat ourselves up for the feelings that we're feeling on the inside. And once you do take that mask off um, and like your command master chief, and you took that mask off and you told him what it was you were doing, how that may have, kind of opened up his eyes to what it was you were experiencing. So one, I don't think we need to wear those masks as often as we do. Sure, there's times when it may be appropriate. You know, you don't want to go into a, necessarily a business meeting bawling your eyes out, but there's there's times when you need to open up and take that mask off. And I think you need to take that mask off, right? And the other side is the other person, right? You have to understand that so many of us are wearing masks and you never know what somebody else is going through. So, you know, be careful what you say to certain people, how you act and, and be uh, a shoulder to, to lean on, be somebody to lean on for those, for, for anybody. Again, you never know what who, or who is wearing that mask. So you start going through EMDR and you start seeing benefits. And then on top of that, you get introduced to meditation. How did you get introduced to meditation? And what are the benefits that you have seen through practicing? Uh, it, I kind of, I, mean, I told you in my, uh, in the correspondence, I kind of just stumbled upon it by accident. It wasn't, yeah. no one said, Hey, try this. Um, you know, during my training track before leading up to being uh, in my leadership position, uh, I was living out of a hotel up in Newport, Rhode Island, which is like the Mecca for swos and all that good stuff. And it's January and there's a certain cold up there that goes right to your bones. So there wasn't a lot going on. So I was, you know, stuck in a hotel room and I had this online streaming workout because the gym's there. I wasn't driving all the way to the base to work out. I'd yeah. rather just do it in the hotel room. Um, and they, they had released these little 10 minute meditation things. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know if it was, you know, that, that one last bourbon where I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll try it. Sure. Who cares? No one will see me. Uh, and I did it. I was bored. I was like, whatever, I'll try this. So I'm sitting down I'm trying to cross my legs. I'm like, I haven't sat like this since I was five. This is stupid. <laughs> uh, so I yeah. had, you know, I was going into it thinking it was going to suck. And, uh, and it did, I've, <laughs> it's, it's one of the, it's one of the things like be quiet, breathe in, breathe out. Uh, you know, don't focus on your breath. Don't. And my mind is like a lot of people's minds. It's like a computer when I just, I'm like, okay, I got this done. I'm going to open up this tab. I'm going to open up this tab. I'm going to make this list. I'm going to do all this. I got to do this tomorrow. I got to do this next week. What about this, this, and that. And I'm just sitting here going this, I, all I have to do is do nothing. I can't do nothing. I can't. Yeah. It, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And it pissed me off to no end. I'm like, I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna keep doing it again until I get it right. 
Uh, and I did, and it was, it, it ended up being a way, a place where I could come and just reset. And it's um, going on deployment uh, after that training thing. I didn't really have access to that streaming capability, but uh, I was able to have done enough of those to know what it felt like. So, you know, I could, you know, I, I turned off my radio as XO and, you know, that's like, you, you would have thought the ship was sinking. <laughs> I can't get a hold of the XO. Where is he? What's he doing? Is he, what, is he fine? So I just, I turn it off and I'd go and just meditate for, you know, maybe it was two minutes, maybe it was 10 minutes, just something to go reset, just take a couple of breaths, take, take that operational pause, take that mindfulness pause and just do nothing. And I felt me doing that was not only a good service to me as, as a person, but I could be the leader that, you know, those sailor Marines deserved where I was at my best, not irritated because, you know, I had to figure out someone's problem for them, uh, which we do from time to time. Uh, and that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me Google that for you. <laughs> uh, but in that, you know, being on deployment and then coming back from deployment. And that whole time I was, I was a geo bachelor. Um, and that was tough. That was one of the, you know, going through a divorce, being a geo bachelor, you know, my, my kids, uh, my kids live with their mom in, uh, in Oregon. I have three kids. Uh, and then uh, my fiance, Megan uh, lives here uh, in Arlington, Washington, and she has three kids. So we, you know, you, if you do the math, we're kind of a Brady bunch and a dog. We just, I wish we had a, I wish we had an Alice because I'm tired of being Alice. I'm tired of cleaning. <laughs> but don't we all, don't we all? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, being away from all them, it was, it was one of the hardest things. Uh, and, you know, geo batching just sucks because it was, it was just me by myself. And, you know, that's when a lot of those, you know, what they say idle hands are the devil's work you just that, that's when you know your mind just starts going different places like right. i was by myself i'm to blame a lot of guilt for a lot of things um but i was able to um to find this routine while i was down in san diego and everybody else was up in the northwest uh, and i kind of got into bow hunting uh, which i've never done it before and that that is something that because it's just you it's it's you it's breathing uh so i had this thing where i would do and i kind of i guess i kind of stole it from a, a very influential influential bow hunter uh cameron haynes and he has this thing i mean he's consistent with everything he he does this thing called run lift shoot where he'll run like a marathon a day work out and then shoot his bow after he works out so i was like okay I hate running, so I'm going to meditate instead of run. I'll meditate, lift, and shoot. Uh, so that's what I would do. And I would come home from work, I would shoot my bow, or I, I would I would meditate. Uh, I would work out, and then I would shoot my bow. And it was, and I did that consistently. And luckily, Household Goods came here uh, last week, and I got all my stuff to where I could uh, I could shoot again. So right, uh, finding that. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think you might be onto something there with the with the bow and and the lifting and the meditating. Maybe you should start your own workout shooting meditating program. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, yeah. man. And I, and I, I, mean, I, I have a hashtag. Oh yeah, I know. And I imagine 
I've seen your stuff on Instagram, you know, you, as you, as you're drawing and you have to focus on your breath and it, just like shooting, right? You have to focus on yeah, calm yourself down, calm, calm your breath down, calm your heart rate down. So uh, it, you're basically practicing mindfulness as you're working with your bow. So that's, uh, that's really interesting. I love it. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's been great. It's been a good, uh, a good reset. Uh, at the end of the day, when you know, who knows what happened? Um, people yeah. cut you off at work, whatever. Right, right, yeah. And you never know what's going to happen the next day. So it helps to do these practices so that you set yourself up, so that you respond rather than reacting. So I've got a couple of questions uh, and comments out here in the live feed. Um, one, oh, I forgot we're on. Yeah, we're live, buddy. <laughs> we're on the we're on the grown up Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's basically what it is. So, uh, one, it says as far as uh, practicing mindfulness and meditation. If I understand the comment correctly, it says it makes me more anxious. And uh, and you know, I just want to touch on that quickly. Is that uh, initially it can make you more anxious. Some of the emotions and uh, feelings that you may have suppressed in the past may bubble to the surface, and that can feel very much like you are anxious and in a way it helps you to be aware of some things that were hidden before much like we were talking about before in the in the book the body keeps the score these things that you may not have been aware are right there under the surface and they're causing you anxiety through your days through your life and you don't even know it and when you sit down and meditate it can bubble and break through that surface and be right there but then you can take that into counseling and process it in a healthy way and get through it. Mm -hmm. And and the other side with mindfulness and meditation is sometimes when you sit down to practice, much like Clint, you were talking about before is, hey, you know, my mind is everywhere. I can't meditate. And that feeling that I can't meditate or practice meditation, that can cause anxiety. But with practice, with time, that monkey mind that kind of bounces all over the place, you can get control of it and settle that mind and then kind of, and then get better at practice there's a saying the more you practice the less you have to practice and that's that's true with lifting weights it's true with running it's true with meditation and mindfulness um and let's see um i've got another person that says uh i've never i've never heard of geo batching so for uh for those who are not familiar geo batching means geo bachelor uh, basically you are geographically separated from your significant other, uh, in, and that happens a lot in the military. Uh, you're stationed in one spot while your significant other is living in another spot. So that's what geo bachelor is. Um, I tried to and, spell out all the acronyms. Almost <laughs> all good. And let's see, can we just be the crap out of it? <laughs> And then I've got one fun, fun comment that says, hey, can we just beat the crap out of it and stuff it back down where it came from as far as the stuff that's hidden under the surface? I think once it comes out, it's going to be out and, uh, and you need to process it. So, um, Clint, this has been uh, an awesome episode, man. Thanks. Thanks for coming on the show. Is, uh, is there anything that we haven't covered that you want our audience to hear? Um, I think I think I would just reemphasize um uh, another thing we didn't get into uh, the military mindfulness action practices that uh, yeah. that I went through. Uh, that was With veterans past. That was awesome. Absolutely. Good to hear. That was Good to hear. Uh, that was a great thing, and it um, it calmed down my road rage. Uh, and like you said, you never know what other people are going through. So it's you know give people the benefit of the doubt. Right. Uh, I know there's times you know you don't that doesn't need to happen. You need to 
you need to go full berserker mode on them. But <laughs> for the most part, yeah, it's yeah. give people the benefit of the doubt. And, yeah. and I think um, one thing, if I could, if I could say one thing to bring this all back, it's, it's okay not to be okay. We hear that a lot. Uh, we, we hear no matter no matter what you are, what you're doing as a parent, as a leader, as as a you know lowest level, at, at whatever job, it's it's okay. Uh, right. And the more that you're able to address that, and you know not essentially fix it, but learn how to live with it and cope with it in healthy ways that will not affect those other people uh, in your circle. Hundred percent, man. Couldn't agree more. So if people wanted to get a hold of you to find out more about you, about EMDR, about anything that you've discussed thus far, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Um, let's see. I'm, I'm, I'm up on the gram. It's, it's private right now, but uh, I can make it public. Um, I think I just changed it the other day to the, uh, my fiance laughed at me when I changed it. Uh, I changed it to the grill Billy, but you put it in all these, it's another thing. I love to cook and grill and smoke. Yeah, I've seen you. I've oh, seen some so of the stuff fun. you've taken pictures of. It, it looks awesome. I need to come by for it a doesn't suck. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Facebook. You know, and I'll you know I'll send you all the links uh, to everything and email. You know, there's there's a lot of things that I can't openly discuss. You know, sure. with you know still being active duty, but you know, for me, I think I would rather talk to someone one on one. Uh, email phone number and I'll give you all that stuff, uh, the contact. So, um, I'm all about helping people. I, I, I got it. I'm on active duty, but, um, you know, helping people, uh, is at the front burner. Right. Yeah. So I'll make sure all those points and contact, uh, ways are in the notes when we release this as a podcast and I'll release, and I'll put some of them in the comments here on LinkedIn live okay, later today. So, uh, so people can have that and reach out to you. Well, brother, it's been uh, it's been great having you on the show. Certainly appreciate your sharing your story, sharing what you've gone through, what you've found to cope, and uh, and I hope that somebody listening tags onto that and it helps them to cope in the future. So until we speak again, brother, stay safe, stay healthy, and have an awesome holiday season and an awesome new year. You too, man. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives.